0: Just a reminder, uh, we were in this series about the Antichrist. It was supposed to be three sermons, and then it became four. Now it's five. Uh, but just to kind of take us back, we looked at the first week at the rise of Antichrist. Then we looked at the reign of Antichrist. Then we looked at the rejection of Antichrist. Today we're looking at the reality of Antichrist. And then we've got one more, and that'll be next week. And then we're just going to talk, start talking about Christ, okay? Enough of Antichrist. Uh, but anyway, the reality of Antichrist today, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Please stand together with me out of honor to God and his word as I read. Even him... Whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Thank you. you may be seated. So as we look this morning at the reality of Antichrist, I want us to look, first of all, at his tools, his tools. These are some things we've been talking about all along, but his tools. And first of all, the first tool I want to look at that the Antichrist will use is a man-made tool. Uh, We call it the mark of the beast. The Bible just calls it a mark, but it's here in Revelation 13, beginning in verse 16. It says, And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man may buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, I want you to notice something about this mark of the beast. First of all, it's universal. Everyone will have it. Everyone will have it. Everyone except believers. But just keep in mind, I'm talking about the unbelieving world up there. It is universal. Everyone will have it. Secondly, it'll be personal. It goes in each person's right hand or in their forehead. So it's not only universal; it's personal. Thirdly, it is essential. It is essential. You must have this mark in order to buy or sell. It's essential. And fourthly, I want you to see this mark is variable. What do I mean by that? Well, notice the last part of this verse here, this passage. It says it might be a mark, it might be a name, it might be a number. Again, it says that no man may buy or sell save he had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So if it's a mark, maybe it's Antichrist's picture. If it's a name, maybe it's Antichrist's name. If it's a number, maybe it's Antichrist's number. Anyway, the mark is the first man-made tool that the Antichrist will use. It is universal. Everyone will have it. It is personal in the right hand or forehead. It is essential. You must have it to buy or sell, and it is variable. It might be a mark. It might be a name. It might be a number. And let me say this, technologies that Antichrist will use are good ideas. The technologies that Antichrist will use to control the world, they are good ideas. Whether we're talking about tattooed or implanted chips, uh, that's a good idea. Uh, for instance, for identification, for identification. You already have some of this on your telephones, on your smartphones. You have Face ID where you just hold the phone up to your face and it recognizes you and it opens your phone. Or some of you on your laptops, you have fingerprint access. All you got to do is roll your finger across that little square over on the right and it gives you access to your laptop. You already have this kind of thing. I don't know if you saw this article today or this week in the uh, Wall Street Journal. But it says, forget passwords and badges. Your body is your next security key. And then the subtitle says, Biometric scanning and AI advances mean security systems could use traits from your gate to your gaze to unlock your company's building and systems. Now, if you read that article, like I did, you will find out that the author of this article says that widespread chipping won't be for identification. There's enough Christians still in our culture that we're, we're leery about people chipping us for identification. So we're not going to go for that. Widespread chipping won't be for identification. Widespread chipping will be for health monitoring. That chip that your doctor will be able to put in you one day, it will monitor your heart, monitor your blood pressure, monitor your, your glucose levels, all of those things. And people will say, well, uh, you, can't, you can't check who I am, right? No, I can't. No identification. It's just your medical history. Now, that's all it is. We're going to monitor your heart or whatever the case might be. And then once that's already in you and you're chipped for medical purposes, all they got to do is flip the switch, and now all of a sudden you've got ID. Anyway... Technologies that Antichrist will use are good ideas, whether for identification or medical history. Let me be honest with you. A chip in me, I don't have a chip, but a chip in me would have helped Debbie about a year ago when that tree fell on me. For some unknown reason, I left on that fateful bike ride with no identification and no telephone. And I'm out riding a bike and I get hit by a tree. Well, when the EMTs come, they don't know who I am. They don't know anything about me. Had they, had I had a chip and they had a chip reader, they could have chip, they could have read that chip, and they would have found out who I was. That would have given them instant access to my personal information. Many of you don't know this. When I got to the hospital, they didn't know who I was, so they gave me a name. I was Memphis Peru. That's my name, Memphis Peru. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll tell you what I did. Once they figured out where Memphis, Peru lived, they started sending bills to my address here, Memphis, Peru. And I, I didn't know Memphis, Peru. I put it right in the trash. That's not I paid all those bills. And you helped, you helped me pay those bills. But again, that's who I was, Memphis, Peru. But if they had just read my chip, they would have known. they would have known my name. They would have known my medical history. They would have had Debbie's contact information. They would have known right what to do. She wouldn't have to go searching for me at different hospitals down there. They would have called her and say, your husband has been hit by a tree. And then she could have been involved from the very beginning. Not only would this be a good idea for identification, medical history, but financial information. Think about it. If all your money is just in this chip in your hand somewhere and in your forehead, uh, there's no cash that you have to be lost or stolen. uh, No credit card to lose. No credit card digging through your purse trying to find the right credit card. It's all right there in your hand or on your forehead. Again, the technologies that Antichrist will use are good ideas. What about central economic control? Is that a good idea? Yes. Having a common global digital currency. And by the way, we are fast approaching this reality in our own culture. Nations are moving to a digital currency. Remember this acronym I told you a few weeks ago, CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. This is what nations are moving to. Even the United States is considering a digital dollar. We don't have a digital dollar yet, but we are considering a digital dollar. But as I talked about a few weeks ago, how about people using their smartphones to pay for goods and services? They're not giving cash. They're not even using credit cards, just their phone. And as I shared with you already, only about 5% of financial transactions in the United States are with cash. Everybody's using something digital instead of cash. Again, the technologies that Antichrist will use are good ideas, whether tattooed or implanted chips for identification, medical history, financial information, having central economic control. What about surveillance cameras? Cameras are everywhere. This is a good idea. You can catch criminals with cameras. You can also, with those cameras, you can find a lost child or a lost elderly person who's wandered off maybe from the nursing home. You can find them. These are good ideas. What about international ID? Think about how wonderful that would be. One ID to to work anywhere you are in the world. You would have freedom to travel. Go to any country you want to. No customs hassles. The government would know where you are and what you're doing every moment of every day. Again, the technologies that Antichrist will use are good ideas. But here's the problem. Good ideas in the wrong hands are dangerous. But I don't want anybody to think, well, Antichrist is going to rise to power. And people are going to say, he has terrible ideas. No, he's got great ideas. But good ideas in the wrong hands are dangerous. So those are just his man-made tools. But secondly, he's got another tool at his disposal, and that's miracles. From the text we read this morning, he's going to do miracles. Not only that, it's repeated for us in Revelation 13 and 13. It says, and he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And so there's, he's going to do miracles, one of which is fire from heaven. Now, is this actual miraculous fire? Is this maybe an orbiting laser weapon? Did you see this news this week about Russians wanting to put a nuclear weapon in space? Did you see that? Now, the weapon they want to put in space, this nuclear weapon, is designed to attack satellites to knock out global civil and military communication. But it will have potential for other destructive capabilities. And I just want to ask the question what's next? Fire from heaven? When Jesus walked this earth, he performed miracles to affirm his identity. When he did miracles, that proved that he was from God. That proved that that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. But the beast and the false prophet will do miracles to deceive. Look here at Revelation 13 and verse 14. It says, and deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. And so Jesus did miracles to affirm who he was. The beast and false prophet will do miracles to deceive. But the beast, the Antichrist is going to have a third tool at his disposal. Not only man-made tools and miracles, but he's going to have multitudes. He's going to have multitudes. People will trust him. People will follow him. That's Revelation 13, 3. People will worship him. That's Revelation 13 and verse 4. And people will want to be part of the crowd. That's a very powerful force. When When you have a group of people that are already going in one direction and others say, well, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that group he's going to have multitudes following him multitudes worshiping him these and many others are the tools the, the tools that antichrist will use whether they are man-made whether they are miracles or whether they are multitudes so we see his tools secondly i want us to look at his titles his titles now he is called in the bible the beast the antichrist the man of sin the son of perdition his biblical titles are symbolic and theological but they're not very complimentary. I mean, how would you like it if somebody called you a beast? How would you like it if somebody called you the, the man of sin? Okay. Uh, you probably wouldn't like that. So these terms are symbolic and theological terms. They're not very complimentary. But I want you to remember who the beast is, who the Antichrist is. He is Satan incarnate. He is Satan in the flesh. You can read about that in Revelation twelve three, Revelation 13 and verse 1. Now, something we know about Satan is that Satan was a beautiful, intelligent angel. Ezekiel talks about that a little bit in Ezekiel 28, verse 17. Look what it says about Satan. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold thee. Satan was a beautiful, intelligent angel. And remember, the Antichrist will be Satan in the flesh, Satan incarnate. I believe Antichrist will be very handsome, very intelligent. I believe the Antichrist will be very winsome, very well spoken. I believe the Antichrist will be very charismatic, very convincing. You know, if Satan has been convincing people since Eve. Think about this, who else could entice someone to turn away from perfect fellowship with a perfect God in a perfect paradise for a piece of fruit? Think about that. Who else? Who else could do that to entice someone to turn away from perfect fellowship with a perfect God in perfect paradise for a piece of fruit when you're in a garden surrounded by trees with fruit? He'll be very convincing. And lastly, the Antichrist will be very easy to follow. Very easy to follow. And the world will follow him. Look at Revelation 13.3. I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed. Watch this. And all the world wondered after the beast. He'll be easy to follow. The world will follow him. Even genuine believers will be tempted to follow him. Jesus talks about that in Mark 13 and verse 22. He says, For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect... Now, Jesus doesn't say that the believers are going to fall for it, but they're going to be tempted. They're going to be tempted to fall for him. So remember, the Antichrist is Satan incarnate. Satan was beautiful and intelligent. That's why I believe Antichrist will be very handsome, very intelligent, very winsome, very well spoken, very charismatic, very convincing, very easy to follow, and the world will follow. And even believers will be tempted to follow, and only by the grace of God will we not. So we see his tools. We see his titles. Thirdly, I want us to look at his trump. Something happens that will frustrate Antichrist's plans. Something happens that will frustrate Antichrist's plans. And what that something is is that all believers will disappear instantly in the rapture. All believers will disappear instantly in the rapture. The Bible talks about it here in First Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, somebody may be asked, at what point during the tribulation does this occur? At what point during the seven-year tribulation does the does the rapture occur? Some believe it happens in the beginning. Some believe it happens in the middle. Yet others believe it happens at the end. I'm not going to argue with you. Your concern should not be when. Your concern should be, am I ready now? Am I ready now? If he comes at the beginning, if he comes in the middle, if he comes at the end, are you ready now? And not only your concern is, are you ready now? Your concern should be, are my family and friends ready now? How do you get ready? By being smart? No. By being in the right place at the right time? No. How do you get ready for the rapture whenever it occurs? You receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. That Jesus was buried for your sins. And the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. This is the only way to be ready for the rapture, to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. For whenever He comes... If He's your Savior, you're going with Him. Whether it's in the beginning of the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, the end of the tribulation, who cares? Be ready now. Right now. Be ready. Now think about it. Believers were to have been Antichrist scapegoats. I mean, this is why the rapture thwarts His plans because believers were to have been His scapegoats because we're considered closed-minded. We're considered intolerant. We've been unwilling to cooperate and participate. Remember, believers aren't going to take the mark of the beast. Believers aren't going to worship the beast. We're unwilling to cooperate. We're unwilling to participate. We're closed-minded. We're intolerant, supposedly. So we were to be His scapegoats. Not only His scapegoats, we were to be His targets. His targets. Look at Revelation 13 and verse 7. And it was given unto Him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to Him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. As we talked about a few weeks ago, some believers will be killed as martyrs for the faith. Others will die having no means by which to live. If you don't take the mark, you can't buy or sell. If you can't buy or sell, you can't purchase necessities like food and medicine and medical care. You can't pay rent. You can't pay your mortgage. You can't buy gasoline, heating oil, or electricity. And so some will die as martyrs, Others will die having no means by which to live. Believers were to have been Antichrist scapegoats. Believers were to have been Antichrist targets. Now all of a sudden, believers are gone. But here's something ironic. After the rapture, Antichrist will no longer be able to persecute and blame Christians. He won't be able to do that. Why? Because they're gone, right? We're gone. So how can you persecute and blame people that aren't there anymore? Here's what the irony is. Even though Christians will be gone, the Antichrist will be further empowered. He'll get even more powerful after the rapture. Because the rapture is only going to add to the global commotion and confusion. Think about all the accidents. Christians driving their cars. Christians flying their airplanes. Christians operating heavy equipment. And all of a sudden they're gone in an instant. What's going to happen there? Think about all the missing persons reports. of uh, People calling the police stations. Mothers missing their children. Where's my son? Where's my daughter? Parents who sent their children to church but didn't bother to come themselves. And all of a sudden their children are gone and they're left behind. This is going to only add to the commotion. This is only going to add to the confusion. And so ironically... While the Antichrist will no longer have Christians to persecute and blame, he becomes even more powerful after the rapture. The world will want him even more. So did you ever wonder on what or whom the Antichrist will blame this post rapture earth? All the the earth is already in the tribulation period, and it's horrible. And then it gets even worse once the Christians are all gone. Who's he going to blame? Well, some have suggested space aliens, as funny as that might sound, that aliens come and they're flying saucers and they, you know, and they that's that's who took all these people away. Maybe the Antichrist will blame God himself. The Antichrist may say, you know what? God exists, but he's mean. Look what he did to us. Look at all this stuff. Look at all these problems. God did that. Oh, yeah, God's for real. He exists, but he's mean. The Antichrist will say, but trust me. I care about you. I'm your Savior. I don't know who he's going to blame. He might blame aliens. I think he might blame God. Say, but you can't trust God. God's mean. God's the one that has hurt you. Trust me. I care. I'm your Savior. And so... As we looked at the Antichrist, we've seen the reality of the Antichrist. We've seen, first of all, his tools. Secondly, we have seen uh, his his titles. Thirdly, we've seen his trump the rapture. Fourthly, I want us to look at his torture. The Antichrist will rule over this earth, not indefinitely, but for just seven years. Jesus will return to earth to rule for a thousand years. You can read about that in Revelation 20 and verse 4. And as you might imagine, they're both not going to rule at the same time. Somebody's going to have to be booted out, and it ain't going to be Jesus. There will be an epic battle, and we're going to discuss that epic battle next Sunday. Next Sunday, the epic battle. But I want to give you just a little bit of taste for it. So go to Revelation 19. Everybody turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19. I'll begin reading in verse 11, verses 11 through 15. There's more. But Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11, describing this epic battle. The Antichrist is on this earth. He's ruling and reigning. He has been for seven years. And Jesus comes back and says, you know what? It's time for you to stop ruling. It's time for me. And I'm going to rule for a thousand years. You've got to go. Here it is. Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress and the fierceness of wrath of almighty God. So what we're going to see next week part of this right here is first of all the appearing of Christ there in verses 15 and 16. Secondly, we'll see the gathering of kings in verse 19. In verse 20, we're going to see the burning of the counterfeits in verse 20 and finally the killing of the combatants in verse 21. Just know this, Jesus is coming back There will be an epic battle, a final epic battle, where the Antichrist is booted, thrown into a burning hell, and Jesus Christ is enthroned as king for 1,000 years on this earth. And so today, as we looked at the reality of the Antichrist, we see, first of all, his tools. He's got some man-made tools, and they're all good ideas. They're all good ideas. I'm not saying you should go out and get chipped. I'm just saying they're good ideas. He doesn't rise to power because he's got bad ideas. He's got good ideas. He's got man-made tools. He's got miracles at his disposal. He's got the multitudes who are following him and worshiping him. Then we looked at his titles. In the Bible, he doesn't have very complimentary titles. They are very accurate, but they're not complimentary when Antichrist shows up, understanding he's Satan incarnate, and Satan was very beautiful and intelligent, he'll be very handsome, very intelligent, very winsome, very well-spoken, very charismatic, very convincing, very easy to follow, such that even believers would be tempted to follow. Then we looked at his trump. Something frustrates the Antichrist plans. It's the rapture. I'm going. How about you? I'm going not because I'm smart. I'm going not because I'm good. I'm going because of God's grace in my life. I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And because of that, I'm going whenever He comes. And the same can be true for you. It's not limited. It's for all who trust in Christ. All can be saved. All can go with Him in the rapture. Ironically, The rapture, you would think, would just thwart Antichrist's plans, but it actually makes him all the much more powerful. And then we look lastly at his torture. He's very powerful. He's Satan incarnate. Very powerful. He rules for seven years. Jesus comes back to rule for a thousand. Somebody's got to go, and Jesus ain't going. We'll see that next week. What I want to find out today is about you. Are you ready for the rapture? I don't care when you think it's going to happen. Are you ready? It may happen before we're dismissed here today. It could. Are you ready? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe He died on the cross to pay for your sins, that He was buried for your sins, and He rose again the third day? This is the only way to be ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. I see some heads shaking out there that you're ready. But maybe not everybody's ready. You can get ready right now, right here today. Invite Jesus into your heart to be your Savior. And you will be ready. So the invitation this morning is that simply receive Christ as your Savior and be ready for the rapture. And I'm really looking forward to two weeks from now Because I don't want to talk about Antichrist. I want to talk about Christ. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Christ. And when he comes, I'm going to be with him. Please, join me by grace through faith in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time to worship you. We thank you for the music and the times of prayer. and, And now your word. And though we've been looking at Antichrist, may we focus on Christ. He's the only Savior. But he may not be everyone's Savior in this room, but he can be, my grace through faith, do your mighty gracious work even now, in Jesus' name, amen. If you've received Christ as your Savior, I'll be sitting.